Welcome to Sober Nation FM, a podcast network dedicated to sharing experience, strength, and hope so that you may continue to live your best life of recovery. The Sober Podcast Network is brought to you by Sober Nation. Do you want to live a healthy, sober life? Sober Nation is the world's leading online recovery community. Find support, resources, stories of hope, and even an online treatment program at SoberNation.com. Live a happy life. Be comfortable in your skin and join the recovery movement. Once again, that's SoberNation.com. Now enjoy today's episode. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Anthony Alvarado from Rise and Grind Radio, Recovery Radio, Recovery Podcast, whatever you want to name it. (laughs) We are back in the studio up here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It is freezing. It is cold, but we are staying warm in the studio and excited to do this interview this week. Uh, Before we get into those details, I have to make a special announcement. The FBI called out Rise Together earlier this week. That's right. The Federal Bureau of Investigation called us out, but not for anything that you would think. Not for anything bad, although maybe at a different point in my life, the FBI ever contacted me, I'd probably be deathly <laughs> afraid to answer that phone call. But no, we worked with them in to help to develop the 2016 Wisconsin Methamphetamine Study. And after contributing um, some of our expertise uh, about some of the student research we've been able to do across the state of Wisconsin in regards to teen drug use and even including uh, methamphetamine use amongst um, students between the ages of 10 to 18 years old, they said this, and quote, thank you for the information you provided as it helped provide a solid foundation on which to build the rest of the study. You were an integral part of this study, and we would have not been able to complete it without you. That's pretty amazing. So we received that message uh, just a couple weeks ago, and we sent out an email blast yesterday to about 8,000 people to go ahead and share that final report. And what we can do is actually have you check that out as well. It's going to be right at weallrisetogether.org. You can check out our latest blog, and you'll be able to capture the final report from the FBI, which we're featured in as well, which is pretty awesome. And you'll be able to hit on topics like the history of meth, global and national trends, meth in Wisconsin, concealment and delivery techniques, um, Wisconsin meth traffickers, users, at-risk populations, uh, meth labs, criminal activity, pharmacology, and public health consequences, reason for meth use, drug-endangered children, abuse of Adderall even, and meth treatment concerns and the outlook for the future. I think this is absolutely crucial, guys. If you can go ahead and do anything um, besides go out and share your story and get actively involved in your community in that form, um, please help us provide education to your community. There's a lot of resource information in some of these reports, like the U.S. Surgeon General's report is an excellent resource. We use it as well in our educational opportunities uh, that we provide to students and parents and any other public platform. And we also will do the same with this methamphetamine report um, that we were featured in. Um, Great information, also some concerning information. There's a lot of focus on pharmaceuticals. There's a lot of focus on 
you know, heroin specifically, as there should be. But there is an underlining, you know, problem um, that is of big, big concern around methamphetamine or meth. Um, It's brawling throughout communities. And before you know it, this will be the next huge topic like heroin was or prescription drugs. Um, Ultimately, we're talking about an addiction epidemic here in our country. So any substance can be a concern, including alcohol, tobacco, and even marijuana for that matter. But this report is specifically around meth. Please go out to We All Rise Together. Check that out. Share that with your community. Share that online. Um, Outside of that, we this week have a great uh, friend of mine. Her name is Kimberly Falkenberg, and she started an organization called Spread Hope Like Fire. Awesome individual. She's also one of our advisory board members, but she is from the state of Texas, and she's the founder and CEO of Spread Hope Like Fire, which you can just go to spreadhopelikefire.com and check out some of uh, what they are doing. Outside of that, she is also a woman in recovery from addiction. She's also a former uh, national program manager at YPR and has launched more than 14 recovery programs for non-governmental agencies in four states across the U.S. and supported the rapid growth and development of the YPR movement in more than 25 states throughout 2016. Pretty amazing. That's actually where we got a chance to work together previously in the past. Um, Like I said before, she's a person in long-term recovery and a passionate advocate for people with substance use and mental health disorder. Kimber has also worked in recovery support services with MAP Health Management and served as the Senior Program Director for BCFS, Health and Human Services. While with BCFS, she launched a program for transitional age youth called Youth Build. Kimber has also managed a transitional youth center serving more than 400 young people per year in the Texas Hill County, uh, which is pretty awesome, or country, and helped launch six statewide initiatives for transitional age youth across Texas several of which specifically address young adults with substance use disorders involved with the criminal justice system, which is really cool. We're actually working with the criminal justice system here in the state of Wisconsin. We are partnering up with DCF, and we're specifically working with students um, that are part of the criminal justice system or have been involved with them, and we're actually educating them how to um, stand up in their community and influence policymakers to make positive changes in their community that actually better support young people. So we're teaching them um, how to share their story, um, teaching them the importance of language and messaging, also going through and teaching them how to talk directly to policymakers and giving them suggestions how they can also share their story in other platforms such as online and in other areas uh, such as school. So we share a lot of like um, interests. Uh, Kimber is also, like I said, one of our advisory board members. She's just out there just crushing it, giving guidance, giving peer support, uh, making a difference in our community in Texas and all across the nation. It is an honor to have her on the show. So to all of that conversation, um, please you know, share this with anybody that you know. Valuable, valuable information in this episode. So with that, let's get ready to listen to Kimberly Falkenberg. 
Thank you so much. Looking to bring a positive message to your next event? Contact Air and Allies. Air and Allies specializes in bringing entertainment to recovery events, daytime music events, and family-friendly community events. Air and Allies also specializes in bringing artists who bring a positive message to reinforce a better lifestyle to events like Mile of Music. Air and Allies can also help you plan and organize your event to make it successful. To learn more about making your event successful and feature a positive message, email Air and Allies at AirandAllies at gmail.com or look for the link on this podcast. Are you looking to prevent drug use throughout your community? Rise Together is a national movement that is helping to educate and spread awareness on mental health and addiction. After traveling 100,000 miles and speaking to over 120,000 young people in just three years, they currently have one of the best school speaking programs in the world. They are now available for school seminars, event speaking, motivational workshops, public panels, and even corporate trainings. Contact them now by visiting www.weallrisetogether.org. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Anthony Alvarado from Rise and Grind Recovery Radio, and I am in the studio today trying to stay warm. It has been extremely cold here in Wisconsin. I think the temperature was minus 15 this morning, which is a little ridiculous, especially since I was just recently out in Vegas, and it was almost 70 degrees when I left. So I know that's desert, and this is Midwest, but come on, guys. This is a little little too cold out here. Hopefully it starts to warm up. Outside of that, I'm really excited for today. We have one of my best friends in the house, Kimber. How are you doing today, Kimber? Hey, Anthony. I'm doing great. I have to, not to rub it in, but I'm actually in the hill country of Texas. <laughs> at my in-laws' house, sitting on the back porch in 63-degree 60 weather with sun on my face. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it was it was almost like um, when I saw the sun when we just went out to, like, uh, what is D.C. recently, like about a week and a half ago. And then I was in Vegas uh, just over this weekend. And I, like, put my hands on the sun. <laughs> it felt like it was, like, the first time. Like, like the sun was almost like... Like I was seeing an alien or something like that, you know what I mean? It was just like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> this is absolutely wonderful. So enjoy you know, it. Enjoy it. Not not to jump into the conversation because I want I want to, you know, follow your cues here, but I just <laughs> I have this visual and I have to say something of, of you putting your hand in the light and feeling it and feeling like it was so amazing for the first time and that just relates so well to what we feel like when we enter into the sunlight of the spirit with recovery. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thing. It's amazing. Yes, it is amazing. It is a big change, and we can definitely get right into it. But before we even jump into your awesomeness and and who you are, I just want to um, just ask you right away, how was the state of reform? How was everything in Texas? I mean, you were making some big moves and moving and shaking. How did that go? Oh, man, that's a great uh, conversation starter uh, the State of Reform Conference uh, was yesterday. It's a you know health public policy conference that's been held in the East Coast and the West Coast. This is the first time they've done the conference here in Texas. I had uh, the incredible op- opportunity to be involved in the convening panel as well as uh, speak on one of the um, uh, session panels. Um, the topic that I was asked to discuss is the opioid epidemic and. Um, what that might look like in Texas as far as uh, viewing, um, approaching that epidemic through a community lens. And, um, you know, overall, the conversation was great. They did a great job with putting panels together that represented different sectors of healthcare, business, um, policymakers, 
uh, and we had a lot of discussion throughout the whole day around how does healthcare uh, approach various topics um, from a community perspective and, and approach policy. Um, so mm-hmm. for me, it was a different, a bit different, as you know, it was a bit different approach um, than I've uh, done historically, but that is our new focus um, or my personal new focus over the next couple of years. So it was great. And it was in Austin, awesome. Texas, which is an amazing city. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to get down there. I'm hoping to visit some family down in Round Rock, Texas, which I heard is kind of close to Austin, Austin, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, I got some family down there, so I'm hoping I can come down there maybe this summer. And if anything, we're probably going to you know, hook up and do some work at some point in the future, which we can get into a little bit more of that uh, later in this interview. But just congratulations on everything that happened in the state of Texas for you. I know you're really pumped up about it. And just to hear like that your community is actually bringing people together, you know, the policymakers, the doctors, the hospitals, um, the businesses, um, the local educators to address this addiction epidemic is absolutely what is needed. I know we're taking some of the similar measures here in the state of Wisconsin. And when we come to the forefront and we unite those efforts and our expertise in the field, I think we walk away with so many, um, or at least a better amount of actionable items. And was there, for you, was there a couple things maybe that you took away that really stuck with you um, after meeting with the community yesterday? You know, there were, um, and there were so many things, but I think what, what strikes my interest the most is to feel like the recovery advocates doing work in, with the addiction epidemic across the country, you and so many other incredible individuals, we really have a good thing going. Um, it is uh, a front and center topic. It's, it's being addressed. Um, it was addressed throughout the campaign uh, for the presidential election. It's being addressed um, on March uh, 1st, I believe, in uh, D.C. Mm-hmm. with the CARE Recovery Day. Um, and when I talk with other individuals who are working on, you know, broad policy for health care, I don't know that they necessarily have this, this uh, movement going on behind them in their, in their day-to-day efforts. And so I, feel very, I felt very blessed yesterday after leaving that conference that we have a movement and we are working together, and that is an incredible feat. Um, I've, you and I both have been a part of of that movement and and how much work it does take to kind of become a united voice. Uh, So (laughs) that's right. That's one takeaway. Uh, The other takeaway is the value um, that I have been placing on really understanding what's going on in the public policy, public health policy arena in my state. Um, Texas is a very large state. We uh, have a, a myriad of different environments and cultures and communities across Texas, and it's a uh, it's important for me as an advocate to really know what's going on here and um, do my best to be a voice and represent the call from advocates here in Texas when I get the opportunities to venture out to places like D.C. and Colorado and you know meeting you up in you know Las Vegas in the future and. Yeah. It's just I find it incredibly important for me to really to understand what's going on here in my home state. Yeah, I think it is um, as an advocate, absolutely. As an individual that you know also wants to give back to your community. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, people that come up to us is you know, what are some of the answers? What can we do? How can we get involved? And I think 
the partial reason why we even started this podcast is so we can answer some of those questions. Um, but if you really uh, come up to me and say, well, what can I first start to do? And that's really to advocate on a localized level. In order to do that, you need to engage or become educated, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. So before we go too much into that, because I know me and you, we can go back and forth, but I also want to just keep in mind that we're in front of an audience that is eager to get involved, and we'll talk a little bit more, but they're also really eager to hear your story. And I know your story. I could probably go back and just say it right to the audience, but we're, you know, how did it all get started? You know, who is Kimber? And then how did that like turn into you getting involved in state advocacy and national advocacy and really dedicating your time to the addiction recovery movement? You know, who is Kimber is a wonderful question, and it's an ever-evolving answer, uh, and that I'm very grateful for. Um, but to, to keep it uh, really, I hope, relatable, the conversation we're having today for those folks who might be listening and not yet involved in addiction um, advocacy uh, or perhaps are out there listening and, and still struggling, right? I mean, that's what I really want to make sure that I... I talk about is that I was in a place just a few years ago, um, what six years ago, that uh, you know, darkness and depression, despair, a mental health condition untreated, and a substance use disorder condition untreated um, were really, just for lack of better terms, whooping my butt, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I wasn't raised in an environment where. Uh, folks would have thought that would have uh, been my story. Uh, I had a, a loving mother, loving father, uh, wonderful upbringing, and it had its quirks like all of ours do. <laughs> and um, it, I was 30, 33 at that time, and um, I just felt like I had wasted away my life. Um, I did not see any way out, and it was a very scary time. Um, one, uh, fateful day and through, you know, God's blessing, I was afforded the opportunity to enter into a a treatment center. I, unlike many, many people in this country, I was fortunate enough, um, through the position I held at a job and the health insurance I had to obtain a 30 day treatment, um, inpatient treatment opportunity. And then I transitioned and through, uh, the continuum of care followed through with an six-week-long outpatient program mm-hmm. there in, uh, in uh, Center Point, Texas, tiny, tiny little town. <laughs> and uh, then I uh, had, was afforded the opportunity to live in supportive housing, or what we call recovery residences, um, for another three months and uh, continued to live in uh, what's referred to as kind of the social housing model for addiction recovery for another three years. Um, and during that time, I was really involved in, and I was now what I would consider an addiction recovery advocate, but I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time. Um, and, uh, I was very involved with my 12-step community. I was very involved with my church community. Uh, and I was finding my way to redefining who I am, um, who I was and who I wanted to be. And that was a difficult time. Uh, there were certainly a lot of victories. There were also a lot of hardships along the way and a lot of hard lessons learned in public at the ages of 34, 35, when 
most society looks at an adult my age at that point and says, I should know better. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reality was my illnesses um, prevented me from learning uh, along the way, and so I had to learn very quickly as an adult. It was very difficult. Um, So anyone out there who might be listening and thinking, I'm in a year recovery, I'm I'm a year into recovery, two years into recovery, and man, I just made that horrible mistake, or, or... what if, I just feel like I, I still haven't made up the lost time because that really plagued me for quite a while. I can assure you that it does get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and there is uh, no such thing as lost time because we are just exactly where we're supposed to be, although that's hard that. to understand sometimes. Yeah. You know? and, so, and to accept it. <laughs> um, and to accept. You got Good. that right. You got that right. Mm-hmm. And so at about three years into recovery, um, about... 2013, I realized that I had lost 13 of my friends um, to addiction or a mental health condition. It was devastating um, in one year to lose 13 people. Um, And I knew that I needed to do something, Uh, do something different or more or drastic. Uh, And that didn't mean that I actually took that drastic action at the time. Oftentimes we feel this intense need to do something and the action that follows that creates the most impact is slow and methodical. <laughs> <laughs> it's far less um, exhilarating and actually doing the work. Um, but I started on a path of looking into peer support. I started on the path of looking into advocacy, and I struggled, like many do in 12-step programs, to find a way to advocate and honor the pathway of recovery that I came through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a lot of pushback along the way, too, from my community, which was difficult because I relied on that community for a system of support. Um, but I did follow my gut. I followed my instincts. Uh, I started getting professional um, uh, expertise, if you will, on peer supports. Uh, uh-huh. I came from a project management background uh, in my professional career before getting into recovery and uh, a business background and marketing background. And so I kind of took those things and transferred them over into the nonprofit space and the peer support space. Uh, and the harm reduction space. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and so then from there, uh, fast forward uh, a few years of really uh, diving in and, and spending, you know, a solid three, four years total um, learning, educating myself, training myself on a few different um, areas that I knew I wanted to work in, uh, and, and slowly got opportunities um, to become a, a voice, for addiction recovery and and got the opportunity to start getting involved in advocacy and man has it been a wild ride (laughs) Uh, i mean all the changes in in the last what six years you said i mean that's relatively a short period of time i mean i think right now i'm you know i'm going on 33 this next month in march and i look at my path over the last you know eight years since i entered recovery and had uh, different moments of sobriety that were fantastic and some challenges as well along the way and, you know, along that career path and, you know, furthering my education and continuing to move forward. Um, there was a lot of questions along the way, like, what am I supposed to be doing? And I think in part, the reason I'm going to this conversation is when I decided to make that huge change is when I, too, said enough is enough, not just like taking that step forward in recovery, but getting involved in the community where I... And you know, and both of us talk about this all the time, um, still, you know, get calls or messages or, you know, um, emails probably on a weekly basis still to this day 
and then we know somebody within our community or larger network or somebody that reaches out from across the nation, doesn't really matter where from, um, and they lost somebody as well due to an overdose or um, something similar. And I know Douglas Darby and I, when we started, we lost, you know, 17 people in a short period of time between the both of us. And it was just like, this is enough. I can't lose any more family members or, um, you know, potentially lose even my children. Looking at it from a father perspective, uh, something has to be done, you know. And that's where that great momentum and passion started. But, you know, you step out there and you might be a little unsure, like, what direction you're going to head, but continue to move forward. Because I think in part, I don't know about you, Kimber, but um, I know every moment that I felt like I helped save a life, well, then it was worth it. Oh, absolutely worth it. Every tear, every joy. (laughs) Uh, Anytime that... Uh, we get to connect with another human being who is in, who's suffering um, and provide just a glimpse of hope. That is, uh, that makes everything worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, holding on to that mentality too. And I, I realize, man, I just, I wish I could just re-highlight that over and over and over again. There's just so many people out there that are just like, well, what can I really do? And, you know, maybe I don't, maybe I'm not smart enough or I don't have the background or skill set or all these different things. And in part, I'm like, well, you know, share your story, uh, share the experience that you've had. You know, how have you been impacted by addiction or mental illness for that matter? Um, whether you're a teenager or you're a young adult or, you know, you're older, it doesn't really matter. You know, we all have a story and people are like, that's it. You just want me to share this story. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Because that story can bring hope back into somebody's life or empower somebody to get involved or, um, help somebody not give up or maybe just encourage them during that day. And those are the moments that I think I care most about. And it's pretty cool that we get a chance to do this work uh, even side by side. But I just also want to thank you, you know, for being there uh, side by side. I know we can get into it a little bit more, but um, man, you are definitely a trailblazer. You know, we always, and we've, we've told you this many times and me, Nadine and Doug, we have looked up to you and we, we follow your path and we sit side by side and you know, try to come up with the best ideas so we can continue to save lives for many, many years to come. So thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. I absolutely, as you know, and I will, I will always uh, uh, stand with the three of you and, and all of your um, network. I firmly believe in what Rise Together does. I absolutely have adored y'all since the first time we met. <laughs> and, um, it has been such a pleasure uh, to go through this experience over the past couple of years with you guys, and, and we have a long future ahead of us. So, yeah, y'all are amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> the team says hello, by the way. They wanted to be in the studio today, but they're getting prepared for a student workshop that we are doing with the state of Wisconsin. So we're actually teaching students that have been involved in the criminal justice system how to share their story and providing them with the right messaging and helping them to stand up and say, I'm a young leader in my community, and this is my experience, and this is how I overcame those challenges. That's pretty cool. Man, I love that. And I think that, you know, you touched on sharing your story and how incredibly important that is. And I think that you probably have listening right now um, a, a a varying variety, I guess, of, community members who are either have, have not shared their story and don't know how to do that 
And on the flip side of that, who have shared their story quite a bit and our advocates are working in the field um, and they and they know what I'm about to say is true, which is when we begin to share our story, um, it empowers us. So that's incredibly important because to learn how to share in a positive and impactful way your struggle and be real about that and authentic in a, in a non-harmful manner and then talk about how um, the engagement into a recovery process, whether that is from a mental health condition or addiction, um, how that works, and then, the, of course, the hope on the other side of it, um, that is empowering to an individual. It was, to me, hugely empowering. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that, and then and the way I see it is that it creates this bridge to connection to who is listening. Uh, and that bridge is where we begin to relate to not just other people who have a story of addiction recovery, but other people who have a story of suffering, something we can all relate to. And it becomes this community connection we didn't have before. And then I love what Facing Addiction has recently launched with the Listen campaign because I feel very strongly as a person who has had this opportunity to share my story on many occasions and who works with advocates who do the same, it is our turn to stop talking and Mm -hmm. start listening. (laughs) And this campaign is, I think, a very uh, appropriate representation of how we can all start to listen to each other's stories and and what that will do to impact the overall uh, uh, improvement and quality of life for human beings. (laughs) (laughs) And so I... I love, I love both sides of that coin. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we just have to, um, you know, listen to learn, you know, and I love, 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 love what we've been able to do with the create here and even having facing addiction on the podcast uh, numerous times, love the advocacy they're doing, uh, but just listening to these other great leaders and understanding, you know, what their world looks like and what they're doing to trying to make a difference and maybe even how we can be supportive of that. So um, I love their new campaign as well. And that can actually just be found right at facingaddiction.org. And it's just the Listen campaign. Absolutely amazing. Go check it out. And speaking about absolutely amazing, I think there's just a constant theme of this word hope that is coming up. And, you know, starting in, the, in this moment where we can talk about recovery and then talk about dedicating our time and then becoming an advocate and, you know, taking some time to learn exactly what that means and what your role is. And I think in part... And I'm hoping you can share. Uh, I think you found your home even a little bit more than you have in the past, and that's with a new project that you just started. Can you share a little bit more about that project? I know you've been working on it really, really hard. Spread hope like fire, and I would love to hear about it. And I know our audience would too. Thank you. Of course, I want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Spread hope like fire is uh, a, what I refer to as a life project, and I think you can relate to that. I think a lot of people can relate to something that it, it gets placed onto your heart um, and, and maybe sometimes without clear indication of what it is, and it takes time to form and, and develop and training. And we talked a little bit about what I have done over the past few years to get to this point. And um, I, I feel very strongly it's important to say that Spread Hope Like Fire is a life project. It's something that will continue to evolve as the needs evolve and as I evolve. Um, it is a piece of me. Um, so it's, it's a business, but it's also a, a passion yeah. business. It, it's a social entrepreneurship that's intended to grow with me. Um, 
and uh, and that means it's going to be ever changing. But right now, uh, what Red Hope Like Fires focus is are peer supports and and peer support advocacy. As I stated before, we're um, really focused here on the state of Texas and what's going on in Texas. Um, so I'll kind of split those two things up just so I can be very clear uh, that peer supports, um, in the event that you're listening and you don't know what peer supports are or what that means, um, many people might be able to understand the, the role of uh, a 12-step community, for example, a, a sponsor, um, someone who has the lived experience of going through the same struggle of addiction that another person has. Uh, and that, that role is so critically important. And we know that from the years and years and years of successful 12-step models. Uh, from that developed over the years and many years ago, uh, the peer support model, which is quite different than a sponsorship model. Um, and here in Texas, for example, uh, what it means is that a person has lived experience, uh, could be with mental health, uh, with a mental health disorder or a uh, addiction disorder, substance use disorder. Um, that person also has a couple of years of uh, recovery under their belt and has taken uh, some training with motivational interviewing and the stages of change and worked on developing those skills in a 46-hour training that the state provides and then follows that up with about 500 hours of practicum experience. And then there's this additional test that they must take that I took and many others <laughs> take. Uh, and uh, that's, that's a common kind of process to become a, a certified peer specialist across the country. Yeah. Uh, and various states have various qualifications and, and processes, processes. And, yes. uh, so when I say peer supports, I'm talking about something that's a very specific kind of workforce development um, and, and support uh, to people who are seeking in and seeking recovery. Uh, and so what my organization does is actually provide supervision to spread hope like fire, can provide supervision and support to those recovery coaches that are out in the world. And we do that virtually for the most part. So I've been able to combine, as you know, I love technology mm-hmm. <laughs> and love the the world of, of uh, online community. And so we're utilizing this technology in this online community to provide support to these recovery coaches, uh, that's a term used often, um, all over the place and, and bringing them together and sharing best practices and sharing what our experiences are. And uh, Tony Farmer, the vice president of operations and my one of my Dearest friends, you know Tony. Yeah. He is he is uh, leading us into this, you know, awesome down this awesome path of developing recovery coaches um, through this process. I just love it. We're having so much fun with it. Um, it sounds like it. I actually talked to Tony last night. He gave me a call unexpectedly just to congratulate us on some of the work that we're doing. Um, and I thought that was really amazing. You know, we haven't talked for many, many months. It's probably been almost probably seven months, and he thought it was important to reach out. So you have an amazing, amazing leadership at Spread Hope Like Fire, and it was just really cool to be able to connect with him again. And even to hear the excitement like in his voice, like, man, we're just really <laughs> discovering what we're really good at, like in short. Like we're passionate, we're innovative, 
uh, you know, we're compassionate for our community. We really care about what we're doing. We absolutely are, are moving forward as quickly as we can to help our community. And we have the flexibility and the knowledge and the skill set to do so. And I was just like, man, I couldn't help but the smile just to hear that motivation that he carried. And I know you carry the same motivation. You bet. I mean, we are all about utilizing modern technology and modern uh, innovation to uh, improve and expand peer supports as much as possible. Because we do believe strongly that um, when an individual has a peer support provider walking along the process with them, and you know what? There are also family partner services. Um, I know you have some parents that listen in on this podcast. And hey, parents, you guys are awesome. By the way, if you're listening, <laughs> um, we need more of you. And there are even peer uh, models for families who are going through this. And so, uh, in order, I believe, to really uh, uh, multiply the number of peer support providers across the country we need to utilize technology and and have a modern approach to this. And so that's what we're doing, and we're kind of forging the way through that. And uh, doing anything uh, new is exciting and also terrifying. (laughs) And Even getting on those uh, videos, right? The online uh, learning community puts you in front of the camera, doesn't it? It does. It does. (laughs) And how are you enjoying that? (laughs) Anthony Anthony's referring to uh, we host webinars on a weekly basis uh, for our uh, community and uh, yeah, it it you know, I'm very grateful that I have followed uh, some some incredible teachers over the past four years. Folks like Marie Forleo, they're not they're not in our space, in addiction recovery space. They're in the other business, kind of building online community space that I've been working in and, and training up myself in for the past five years. Marie Forleo and Danielle Laporte and um, Chris Gillibu and a whole host of people that I learned from, and thank goodness for that, because it has paid off tenfold. Our webinars are full of people. That's not easy. No, that isn't easy. (laughs) And they're engaging in the conversation. Our coaches um, or peer support providers are learning through the process. Uh, They're reaching back out in between those webinars for additional support from us as their supervisors, and um, it's, it's going really well. Now, you know, technology has its quirks, and so uh, we're grateful that we can adjust as we go um, and we learn a best practice from this perspective on how do we do this from a virtual perspective. Mm-hmm. So you got your webinars, and then you got your stream of information that I'm sure that will even spread from those webinars, which is really cool, and those people can take those experiences back to their community. And I think that's really unique. So for um, Wisconsin, we have a Recovery Coach Network, uh, Jesse Heffernan, one of our advisory board members, which you know Jesse uh, to some uh-huh. extent and connected online. And he's been able to train over 90 coaches in the state of Wisconsin. Unbelievable. Um, and one of the things that we were starting to develop is um, a tech platform or application development um, that would allow us to keep them all connected and provide them with uh, resources and updated information from a statewide standpoint. I think that communication is key, and especially for the individual that goes out and maybe is a peer support specialist or you know, is a recovery coach, if they can be um, housed or at least supervised or um, there's some accountability back to one main location, whether it's for the state or the region, I, I think they also do much better work, right? I think there's also a greater learning environment because it's great to go through the training one, 
but then what happens after that? And I think that's where we start to see, at least in the state of Wisconsin, some of the momentum um, kind of take a downturn, right? Uh, everybody's really pumped up, but then, like, how do you keep on managing, um, you know, that type of care or that type of service? And that can be a little difficult. It can be, and that's um, where we hope we come in, right, is uh, providing that solution. We saw the same thing in Texas and many other states in our national work. And uh, shout out to Jesse. He does some. He does just amazing stuff, super passionate, uh, very um, professional, qualified, you know, peer support provider and trainer. And that's amazing, 90 coaches around Wisconsin. With all that snow, how does he get to everyone? <laughs> Regionalized. <laughs> uh, big conference, right. I guess. <laughs> he has a cape. I think yeah, he does. He does actually have a cape. He's really in the superheroes. So. <laughs> I, think, I think that he definitely has a cape. Um, and so, uh, but yes, and, and so here's the cool part. What happens, is, what we've seen, and what we know other people who are doing this work have seen, is that some of our support providers and our, our coaches um, and are some of the most effective advocates. And so to bring this all back to kind of that recovery advocacy movement, and Tony and I talked at length about how we activate our community when we have policy that does need to be addressed. It's incredibly important and will, you know, shape the future of this public health issue for 25 years we have to activate our communities, but we, we have to be in relationship with them mm-hmm. in order to do that. We can't just ask them to stand up and say what we want them to say. It's not fair. So, so what, we've, what we've seen is when we have these relationships in this community that is ongoing through technology um, and phone calls and webinars and, you know, all the FaceTime calls, everything we can do to really connect with individuals, um, that translates very well into activating a community when the time comes. And so how that's worked in Texas is just had a huge win and, uh, and submitted just a week and a half ago to the House of Representatives to the state of Texas uh, 2017 legislature is a peer support bill to make peer support a Medicaid billable service in our state. And that. that is because simply because of what we have been doing collectively with many other amazing organizations like Recovery People and the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals and the Association of Substance Abuse Providers. Um, we've, we've done some incredible work all together, the, Ho- the Hog Foundation, sorry, I can't forget them. Um, and so now that those been submitted and we have these advocates all over the country or all over the state that we can work with to activate, to move towards um, getting this bill passed in the legislature, which has huge impacts for all the people involved. Um, and that is a movement. <laughs> <laughs> that absolutely is a movement. I think, oh, man, we had this this exciting, amazing moment uh, just several weeks ago that was somewhat similar. So we met, Jesse's like, oh, we got to come do this news interview. And I was like, all right, cool, yeah, just jump on the news. Not exactly sure what form. He's like, I'll tell you when you get here. So I'm like, well, nothing like preparation, but we get there, and he, and he's like, guess what? 
um, legislation just passed the state of Wisconsin, Governor Scott Walker and uh, Representative John Nigren, who is leading up the HOPE legislation, they are allotting uh, over $12 million worth of funding to go in the peer support services and other developments around uh, providing more detox locations. And there's a stream of other things that they're actually going to be funding. But for a portion of it, it was recovery support services. And that was a game changer, you know, for the state of Wisconsin, because we've never seen that investment on this level ever in the past. And you can't help but to draw the verticals between some of the advocacy that's happening in Wisconsin and also in the state of Texas. Like people are being heard. And it's not just us and Jesse. You know, it's like everybody that is collectively working together. I think well, like the statewide rally or meeting at those coalitions or getting in front of these legislators and actually uh, sharing our story and advocating and saying, this is what our experience has been done. This is what our experience has been um, here in my community. And these are some of the struggles I've had, but these are also some of the successes I've had. And if other people had these same opportunities, man, we could really change our community. I mean, truly we could. And those things are starting to happen I mean, it's starting to not only be talked about more, but it, the recovery community is starting to see some investment back from their state and their community and so on and so forth. And I truly believe um, I'm a, a good portion of that is because people are being heard. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, there's another space um, in the recovery advocacy world or addiction recovery world that this is happening as well, and I can't help but think about it because you all, Rise Together, is doing some incredible work with the education system and and the prevention side of things. Um, and coupled with that is this movement around collegiate recovery programs. And my husband is uh, a graduate of a collegiate recovery program at Texas Tech University. They were some of the groundbreaking um, folks to get this started and, and, and duplicated across the replicated across the country under Dr. Kitty Harris's direction and now Dr. Thomas Kimball. And they do this amazing work to provide a, a supportive community for individuals, young adults, who have gotten into recovery and want to pursue their education, you know, life of purpose, um, treatment centers. They're doing amazing work yeah, and creating these environments. And uh, and the, the high school, the recovery high school movement, these folks are all seeing the same thing that you're talking about and I'm talking about. They're seeing funding come down from states to create these systems that are so effective. I mean, the statistics speak for themselves. Students in a recovery program, a collegiate recovery program, outperform the average traditional student every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, it's awesome. I just think the, the point I'm making is, is that in all of these efforts, you see advocates, um, you see people using their experience and their voice. They're being heard, and policy is changing and providing more opportunity to get well and stay well. And that's what we need. <laughs> Absolutely. Spread, the spread hope like fire, right? I mean, I really think that's what we're talking about. It's going to spread across the community uh, one story to another, one advocate to another one recovery coach to another, one peer support to another. I mean, I can't uh, help but to agree with you, even when I am in front of these students, you know, even for them to lead a, uh, lend a helping hand uh, to somebody that is struggling, how much it might just change that school community. And that can spread to all different parts of the community. And it just, it's, this momentum is unbelievable to watch. It's unbelievable to be a part of. 
And I think, you know, if people even have a better understanding of what this really means and how they can play a role in that, I think the better. And that's part of what we're doing today. And one of the things that I don't want to leave out, though, so when we talk about recovery coaches and we talk about peer support specialists, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, A lot of times I hear in the community, especially um, when there isn't a really uh, fine understanding of what those services look like, uh, some people will come up and be like, well, isn't that just a glorified sponsor? Has anybody ever said that to you? Of course. And, in fact, I have said that um, myself before I got into this work. I was I back now and see that I was being challenged. My belief system in what existed, what really worked for recovery, um, and what could be were being challenged when someone brought the concept of, peer supports to me. Um, and so absolutely, I, I have had people say, isn't that a glorified sponsor? Or, or I also hear this one, why would somebody, you know, we shouldn't be paid to help another person. You know, it's what we do um, because it was freely given to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course I've heard those things, and I completely identify with that feeling and that question, those, both those questions, because I, I myself asked them a few years ago. <laughs> um, and, and my response today is, uh, first, I, I get it. Those were my concerns as well, or my questions as well. I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, secondly, uh, peer supports have been around for quite a while. And so, um, you know, William White kind of started a lot of this conversation, and there's just been some incredible research done around peer supports, and they are, in fact, different than what a sponsor does. And uh, I, I always want to try to connect folks with some literature or education around that. Uh, I'm not the industry expert, mm-hmm. and there are industry experts. Uh, but if I'm just having a one-on-one conversation and I want to be, um, you know, just clear about why I'm passionate about it, I, I really just get into the, to the heart of what I do as a, as, a, as a peer support provider. And that is I utilize training I've been given. Um, motivational interviewing is a, is a skill that I have learned. Um, understanding the stages of change and understanding how my role as a peer support provider is to meet someone exactly where they're at and to honor whatever pathway of recovery they choose to live a self-directed life of health and wellness and recovery. And my role because I can relate to what they've gone through with lived experience, and I can combine that with some skills I've learned and resources I'm connected to, which is a big part of being a peer support provider, is to merely walk along the journey with them. Uh, and that's it's quite different being a peer support provider than, for example, being a sponsor in a 12-step program. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are that I can count on the, I mean, I think about 17 pathways of recovery when we talk about how a person can can get well from addiction, Mm -hmm. everything from a natural recovery, uh, which is the majority of people who don't actually do a practice of some sort, all the way to the refuge recovery model, which is a yoga Buddhist-based recovery model. Um, And there's a lot in between. And my job, my job and what I am paid to do is to take the certification classes, take the training, do the research, become educated, 
and understand what all those options are and how to support someone in their path, whatever their path is. And I think it's a crucial, crucial role. I mean, just last week, we had our friend Irina on talking about All Pathways to Recovery and that you do indeed have a choice in recovery. So um, part of the, I guess, barrier, though, in the community is people don't generally know what the options are, right? So there's programs like Smart Recovery and Celebrate Recovery and Life Ring and Women for Sobriety and Phoenix Multisport, and there's even um, conversation around MAT, Medicated Assisted Treatment, and Moderation Management, and, you know, the list kind of just goes on and on, like you were saying. Um, But we have this conversation where, yes, we should talk about all pathways of recovery, but do we know all the pathways to recovery? And most likely, um, people in the community don't know them, and there isn't the options available in front of them. And that can be a huge barrier to that person's um, long-term recovery or even entering recovery in the first place. Isn't that right? Uh, you're 100% right. And, um, and, and my goal is to get out in front of uh, those primary care physicians, those hospital systems, the education systems, the counselor's offices. Um, we need to start talking to individuals who are having the first contact with a person who may or may not have a substance use disorder, but they're perhaps misusing a substance, right? And we need to talk about um, assessments and how do we assess where they're at and and equip our first responders or that first contact with appropriate assessment tools. Those are incredibly important. And then um, we need to equip them with resources on the paths to get well um, from addiction. And if we are doing that, uh, then I think we're making a good start. Um, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked with hospital associations and nurses associations, uh, emergency room departments, uh, schools, and uh, still today folks uh, really don't know that there's more than just sending someone to an AA meeting down the street or giving them a pamphlet for AA. And that, that pains me, uh, not because I don't absolutely adore the 12-step model and believe in it wholeheartedly. Well, it helped save your life, I mean, right? I mean, it did, right. yes. <laughs> uh, it, it saved my life. Uh, but, but we know that this is a chronic condition with uh, a continuum of care needed and multiple entry points are appropriate because of the you know, medical necessities um, and also the physiological and social and psychological uh, we need options, and there are options. <laughs> That's the great thing. They're already there, which is great news. We just need to tell people about them and provide education about them, and that's what a peer support provider can do, um, not just for the individuals who are seeking help, but for, for the providers who are connecting them to help. And I want people out there that are listening to just understand it for a moment, especially in those professional environments. So for somebody like myself, and Rise Together, we engage uh, a huge amount of students on a yearly basis, uh, anywhere between forty to 75,000 students uh, on average between what we do in the schools and what we do online. So with that being said, most of the time, whether it's a teenager or a young adult, uh, they are looking for some type of guidance, support. Not every single one of them, but there's a good percentage that are. 
So providing them with online resources, providing them with um, some coaching and mentoring uh, can really help that person get to the professional um, resources and the support that 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 they need to maybe overcome the challenges that they see in their life. And on the opposite end, we have many, many, many um, moms, fathers, and concerned family members that reach out and say, well, how can I get this person help? Well, as a recovery coach or peer support specialist, you are trained in the many pathways of recovery, what the local resources are, and also a stream of other information to help that person uh, to get engaged with the community, build those connections, also help to develop a health and wellness plan and really meet them where they're at and not only um, direct them to other things that have been beneficial to us because we have that lived experience like a 12-step traditional meeting or maybe some of the, like, the other ones that we've mentioned because for me, um, I've been to quite a few of them. Smart Recovery and Celebrate Recovery, for example, are huge game changers in my life. So of course, I would provide that professional knowledge but also that lived experience. And that can be a game changer for anybody, no matter what age they are. But that is also important because when I talk to people at the hospital association or even the criminal justice system, they don't know how to have that one-on-one conversation or provide that support, and they don't know the resources. So when I take a look at like legislation that's coming to the state of Wisconsin, and I'm sure it's similar in um, Texas, I mean, we have hospital-based recovery coaches or support going for those individuals. We also have um, support for recovery coaches that are going to be in um, jails and prisons and also other community aspects. And that is going to be almost like that catalyst that that person needs or an engager uh, once that person is released out of prison, for example, which we all know can be one of those life-changing moments for better or worse, um, specifically for those people that have been incarcerated. Spot on. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really, I really I, care about some of the, the same things because I think there's, what, over 20 million people in America that are in recovery, and I think the conversation is building and there's momentum. People are starting to understand, like, um, something needs to be done, something needs to change. We are facing an epidemic, and one of the first ways you can do that is, yes, maybe share your story, but you can take it a step further with what you're talking about to get trained to become a professional and to help somebody long-term and also provide some resources back to yourself, financial resources at that, which is nice for anybody. <laughs> oh, man, you you just provided the perfect segue to... Um, to who I am as a person, as a professional, and what Spread Hope Like Fire will always be about. Um, I don't think it's a part of me that will uh, it will evolve, but it won't change. And that is professional development and leadership development of people in recovery. You know this is a, a passion point for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I love the fact that when we talk about engaging in a peer support model, right? And we talk about people in recovery gaining some certifications and becoming employable, even with a criminal background um, and and having these opportunities to get imp- uh, work to do what really matters to them and, and have meaningful impact with another young person's life or another person in the, in the same system they came out of, if they, they were involved in the criminal justice system. Um, that's meaningful work. And yes, it puts money in the bank, which puts food on the table. And, 
and that is a workforce opportunity that wasn't present at one point, and now it is. And I feel very strongly about developing uh, folks who are in recovery and their professional. I was blessed with having a brilliant mother, a brilliant business-minded mother, uh, a great background in marketing and business before I got into recovery. And it has served me well in building a business and and starting Spread Hope Like Fire and will continue to serve me well as I move forward. I need to share that. And I think what you'll find with some of those those other things that are on the books for Spread Hope Like Fire in the future, which have truly nothing to do with peer support. (laughs) That's our focus right now. Uh, But as a business owner, I know that we have to be looking to the future. And uh, there are a few things I have coming up that are real, they're joy projects. Uh, I I don't know how else to describe them other than they're things that really bring a lot of joy to my heart. And um, I can't wait to embark on them, and we'll talk a whole lot. When we do this podcast again in a year from now, we'll talk about them. Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. those listening, you know, stay tuned, right? Stay tuned, um, indeed. <laughs> but the important part is that it's that, it's that engaging in um, the conversation about how do we, how do we train up a, a workforce in this, in this field, and how do we help more families get on their feet, help more families feed their children, stay united and connected in recovery together, like you. I mean, it's incredible to watch what you do with children. And I am proud to be your friend and uh, a warrior with you, you know, creating this new tribe that isn't going to fail because we have each other. Love that. And... You know, imagine if we had that, you know, what I refer to as the Hope Tribe, as you know. (laughs) But imagine if we had these Hope Tribes, you know, all over the place. And and we had business owners um, who were in recovery, which we already do, you know, but they were all talking and sharing resources with each other. And uh, there's some community partners that I work with that are going to be launching into some of these efforts. And I, I just love the idea of talking how peer supports relates to workforce development and how that relates to developing leaders in recovery. It's awesome. No, it is awesome. And I just, I was on the way up to Green Bay to the studio just a little bit ago, and I, I just have to bring this up. And I know we share uh, this like interest in uh, Tim Ferriss and the Tim Ferriss podcast. I was, I was going back to like listening to, I think it was like episode nine or like 10. So it was like almost a year and a half ago. And there was this um, professional in the field. He was a photographer, so it was a different uh, background. But he was coming up and he was like making it kind of big. He was starting to shoot photography for like Nike and Reebok and traveling around the world and doing helicopter shots. And, you know, it took him quite a few years to get to that point. But then, you know, he actually started to, um, he wanted to like expand his skills, right? And so, um, but there wasn't really an easy way to um, get educated at the time, right? So, they were like, well, this kind of sucks. Like, I don't really don't want to go back to college. I'm already into um, this pretty far. And there's probably like a tons of people out there that could use this education as well. And even some of the experience that I've had over the last several years to get to this point. So it'd be really cool if we had access to that information, like a shared community could just pump that information out all day, all over the world. And guess what? They created a, a place for that. 
So now you have this company called Creative Live, and these photographers, um, there's little courses going on all around the world about photography, how to up your skills in a creative sense, and they're sharing that information, and people, it's changing their life <laughs> through technology. Through all technology. over the world. That, I love Creative Live, man. That is a great place. That's <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. There are so many opportunities to uh, empower and engage and educate individuals using technology. And, uh, and, and I'm really proud to say I've, I've learned quite a bit over the past four years in looking into how we can apply this to the work we do in connecting individuals who, who are looking for help in recovery um, or have received recovery support and are now ready to build a business, are now ready to start a nonprofit, are now ready to uh, launch into that next thing. And, and while I can't, I'm not a, a business expert, right, I can't be everything to everyone, what I know I can bring to the table and what Spread Hope Like Fire will always bring to the table is I see the greatest in you. And I want nothing more than for you to see in yourself and to see all of your visions come true for yourself. And I will stand by you as a true peer support provider <laughs> and walk that journey out. And we'll find whatever resources you need to make it happen. Watching people, um, I just get so excited. I think I'm just excited about this conversation. If you're if you're listening to this podcast and and you're in the the throes of doing something new for yourself, new for your community, and you're questioning, is this right? Should I be doing this? I'm getting pushback. You know, should I listen? Should I stop? Should I pause? Um, I'm not going to tell you not to pause because sometimes pausing is important. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be one of those voices and Spread Hope Like Fire will always be one of those voices that says, you can do this and you are not alone. And stand up and do what God has asked you to do. And be everything that you can be. <laughs> because anything less, you're not giving everything you can to those who need you. You know, yeah. Anthony, you know, I, we've had so many conversations about how many people need you to do exactly what God has called you to do. Mm -hmm. And that is what I believe Tony Farmer you know, Tony Farmer Guerra, he's now married. So exciting. <laughs> you know, he works for me. He's my friend. That is what I want to see him do with his life. He's graduating in nursing school in, in May. If he leaves Spread Hope Like Fire, it will be because I have, you know, celebrated with him the new adventure in his life. Um, and that's all I want. That's all I want to see happen um, is that I get to have that joy of, of up and walking with and celebrating people in recovery. That's beautiful. Speaking about beautiful, I heard somebody else got married not too long ago. Would, would that be you? Was that, was that you? <laughs> <laughs> I did. My husband, Miles, uh, and I got married on December 18th of 2016. It was the um, most incredible day I've ever had and what I imagine heaven must feel like. <laughs> uh, I, I think it was just the most beautiful experience uh and i'm a proud wife now it's a new it's a new journey <laughs> yes yes and i'm so so happy for you guys i know i've told you on quite a few occasions and just just your pictures alone from the wedding i mean you and miles um 
awesome to see the smile on your face, the both of you enjoying your time and moving forward in this together. It's just a true testament to the love that you guys share. So congratulations again, and congratulations to Tony. I know he'll probably listen to this too, and, and thank you again, sir, for calling last night and just um, just giving us a little bit of support too. It goes a long, long way. And you know how it is, Kimber. You can get into that Clydesdale mode, and you're just like moving forward, and you're just like in your lane, and you're trying to move, and you're trying to figure it out, and you're trying to push forward, and you also have to figure out like your own personal stuff, and you know, kind of take some downtime, and you know, uh, focus on what's important outside of work, and that can be um, that can be difficult, right? And mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, um, you know, and we'll kind of transition. I know we're getting towards the end of the call here, but. Um, I like to just give examples, like the best way I know how to um, give our audience uh, an example of what peer, how important peer support has been in my life and how important it has been to others that I've worked with is in part the relationship that we share, Kimber. So I know um, we've worked together in the past and we'll continue to work together in the future, but more importantly, we have a friendship. And then part of that has also been a professional uh, relationship that has allowed uh, you to even guide uh, me and my team, you know, during some more challenging times. And we share some things on a personal note, um, like the experiences that I'm having with my father. And everybody that knows um, this podcast knows that I've been talking about it consistently. And at the end of this year, I can honestly say that I've been, at a, I was at a very, very low place, a very low place, extremely depressed, um, felt like man, I was just felt, I felt somewhat hopeless, to be honest with you, you know, and I think the internal thoughts and the external things that were going on and everything that was happening with uh, my family and some other family members that were struggling, we lost some people that we cared about, and then just stuff with work and just life and holidays and winter and cold and just it all piled up really quickly. And I started to be like, man, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. Like, it, like I'd wake up in the morning just kind of feeling like I don't really want to get out of bed. And I'd sleep a lot, and I was just like, oh. You know, I just started to give up on some things, and I started to, like, lash out at friends and family members and get really upset and, you know, wasn't the nicest person to be around. And I literally said, like, words came out of my mouth, like, oh, I feel like giving up. You know, I feel like giving up in this job. It's too tough. It's I don't know if I'm really making an impact. All these, like, negative thoughts came in my head, but... I'm out of it today and I'm happy mm-hmm. and I'm smiling and I'm empowered and I feel relieved and I had to do a lot of different things to get back where I needed to be. But one of the ways that I did that is by individuals like you and Doug and Nadine and a number of other individuals like my pastor and Jesse and some mentors and some trusted friends and family members, including my children that were by my side throughout those moments. And when I need to ask for professional support, I definitely put it into consideration and then receive support from individuals like recovery coaches and peer support specialists to guide me to the places I needed to go and get me out of the funk, we'll say, that I was in. And who knows? That could have saved me from a relapse and that could have saved me from, you know, worse. And that's the truth. And that's as real and authentic as I can possibly be. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, we've, we've walked 
together through that journey. And I am incredibly proud of uh, your resilience uh, and how you've reached out to your community. And it's just good to know you. And, man, am I glad you did. And I appreciate the authenticity. And um, I think it's important to acknowledge that uh, with a business name like Spread Hope Like Fire, it it is important that I acknowledge that without despair, hope does not exist. And we have to talk. We have to be willing to have authentic conversation. Uh, and sometimes I even hate that word authentic because it seems inauthentic. Cause <laughs> <laughs> so we have to have real talk, you know, where some real talk, yeah. Curse words come out of my mouth, uh, and uh, and I and I get fired up, or I cry, and I or get mad, or whatever, punch a pillow. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right, I do something outlandish, you know, and I and I say this is hard, and this just sucks, and I'm angry, or I'm sad, and. And I can stay in that place for a few days. Today, because of the coping skills, the, the, you know, my relationship with Jesus Christ, to be honest, is a mm-hmm. big, big part of it. I can withstand those storms. I can feel and let the pain and anger move through me without causing a reoccurrence of use uh, or, or some other you know, very outlandish behavior. Um, because of peer supports that I have, because of professional counseling that I participate in, mm-hmm. you know, those things are able to move through me. I can accept pain differently today than I could before recovery. Um, but it is through that pain. It is through that fire. It is through that struggle that I see hope a different way. And that's where the name you know, comes from that and inspired by a dear friend, Becca Metcalf, and uh, I want to say hello to her mother, who I know will be listening to this. Uh, We lost Becca a couple of years ago, and um, she inspired the name because it was in the pain I was experiencing of, of her death that I saw the glimmer and the the tiny flame of hope that I said, I can't stop. You know, I cannot let this get me. I have to hold on to that flame, and we have to spread that flame. And all of us have a flame. We just, if we stood together, we'd be so much brighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yes, I mean, there's, there are dark times, um, and that's okay. Uh, but when that's when we take our candle and we go stand next to someone so we can share our light with them, you know. I love that. I love that. Well, Kimber, I know we're getting to the end of this call, and I just want to thank you, you know, for all that you have shared—not just about spread hope like fire, but your personal story and your guidance and your resilience yourself and your authenticity or that real talk that you've been able to bring to the mic. I know our audience will be um, very appreciative, and I know they'll probably want to connect. You know, so how would somebody uh, connect with you? What is the best way to get connected with Spread Hope Like Fire? Um, some of those resources. Thank you for asking. Yeah, right now, if you're in the state of Texas, uh, happen to be listening and you're in the state of Texas, the best way is to go to my website, spreadhopelikefire.com. And uh, there we have some information about this peer support bill. That's where we're putting our focuses um, on the website. So we want to be able to engage in that conversation with you. So just 
uh, head on over there. If you're not in Texas and you're listening, which I'm sure there are lots, you have a big, big following with Rise and Grind uh, podcast, radio show. I'm super excited about that, by the way. <laughs> um, huge accomplishment, um, Anthony, huge accomplishment. I think I if you're that. not in the Texas area, uh, the best way is to send me an email. If you want to talk about some of the technology uses of of peer support, um, if you want to talk about anything on a personal level, send me an email directly to Kimber, K-I-M-B-E-R, at spreadhopelikefire.com. That comes directly to me, and I think that's probably the easiest way to start a conversation. Cool, and we'll definitely put all those resources links in to the episode notes. Um, but for everybody that's out there, again, the website is spreadhopelikefire.com. That's spreadhopelikefire.com. You can go and check out what Kimber and her awesome team is doing, how to get involved, how to contact them, and all that awesome information. And again, all the details will be in the notes. So we're going to transition to the last final phases, a few minutes of this show. So I want to go ahead and just put you on blast right away and say, or put you on the spot <laughs> and ask you if you could give our audience um, a few tips of what helps you, a person in recovery, um, to sustain the healthy life that you have, um, what are two or three tips that you use um, most regularly or often in your life? Um, and maybe it's something that could help our audience. I love it. So I'm going to uh, say three. I'll go with number one. I mentioned uh, my religious background and the fact that I do have a relationship with God that I have developed over the past few years. Uh, I am not a person who necessarily believes everyone should share my same beliefs, but I do really uh, believe in the power of prayer and spiritual development uh, and having a personal relationship with uh, a higher power, and I think that's most important. My relationship with my church community is incredibly important. So number one, spiritual development it, and a personal relationship. Yeah. yeah. It's one of <laughs> my tops, two, too. Or it is my yeah. top. <laughs> uh, number two is uh, real talk. Uh, without real talk, and, and I'm going to just start using that term. I threw it out there earlier. And uh, being willing to, no matter your status, time of, of recovery, no, no matter uh, where you come from, uh, share the struggle with your community. Now, when I say community, I, I mean your circle of support. Figure out who that is. It's not everyone, and it shouldn't be everyone. Um, but you do have one, and if, if you look around and, and be authentic with them, uh, it, it saves my life on a daily basis, as Anthony well knows. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, number three, um, try something new uh, that brings you joy. Uh, get outside of what you do every day, every week, every month, every year, and just try something new for no reason other than it's going to bring you joy. And an example of that would be there was a time period where work was becoming very intense in my life. And I needed to laugh more. And so every morning with my prayer and meditation, I also turned on a YouTube video that would make me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, and the simple practice that. of laughing every morning <laughs> brightened my day and helped bring back some joy into my life. And so I think trying new things and, and doing it just for the fun of it is, is really important for me. It is. You should see the, the look that I get when students uh, were at the school and like students will be like pretty serious, but having a pretty good conversation kind of thing. And they'll be like, well, what do you do? You know, and I'll be like, oh, man, you know what I do sometimes? I just watch comedy like i watch stand-up all the time you know whether it's on youtube or it's on netflix or any of any of the platforms that you can even podcast i love 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 comedy i love to go to comedy shows i love to watch comedy movies i like stand-ups i just i always have for many 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 years and just the laugh you know is even a funny little video you know me and gavin and jada will watch uh, youtube videos once in a while and just laugh and laugh and laugh and those are some of the best uh, best moments um, that we have together. Just those little simple things that, you know, people would be like, man, that's it. You just, like, you do those simple things, like take a walk, listen to a video, you know, laugh a little bit. Yeah. Those, it doesn't always have to be super complicated. It doesn't no. it, really at all, you know, and a good <laughs> laugh goes a long way. A good laugh does go a long way. And I have to say, I think I owe my husband a, a few more uh, moments of attention when he's trying to put those videos in front of me and 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 i wave them off <laughs> i think i think now that we're having this conversation and to be vulnerable i have to say um i probably should stop and and watch those with him a little more often. a little more often yes more often yeah you can hold me to that <laughs> all right all right i'll definitely i'll send some funny videos that i think are hilarious uh, gavin my son he sends me a bunch of funny videos that are kind of ridiculous too but Maybe I'll send you some of those because I think those are pretty good. Or Kevin Hart. Uh, last night I was watching Jim Gaffigan. He talks about how cold the Midwest is. So that's new on Netflix. It's called Cinco. Um, that one is pretty good, too. We saw him in Green Bay, actually, for his stand-up. Absolutely loved it. Hilarious. So maybe you can go check that one out. His older stuff is better, but Jim Gaffigan's pretty funny, too. I'm going to have to look that up or just send me a link, and I'll share it. And maybe for once. I'll actually share a funny video with my husband. He yes. was shocked. <laughs> yes. So this will help you. This will help you in two different ways. You'll laugh, so help yourself, and then also help your relationship. Fantastic. So there's my part today, giving back to the community. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been absolutely just a phenomenal uh, conversation. I love it. I love that we can connect again. I love that we're able to work together, but I love that you were able to provide this information out to our community. I get so many questions. What can we do? Where can we get involved? How can I get connected? What can I do to give back more? And this has been one of those resources. So we'll be sure to make sure to share it with all you guys out there. Uh, thank you again as an audience member for listening and supporting us. Uh, for individuals like myself and Kimber, you know, we are very similar. We're the same. We probably started in the same place of like motivation and asking all those questions and we found our purpose and we hope this helps you find yours as well. So with that, thank you so much, Kimber, for being on the call. I know we'll connect as always, but thank you so much. Thank you, Anthony, and the rest of the team. You guys are great. I look forward to our journey together. Awesome. We'll make sure to connect down the road. Thank you so much, Kimber. Much love. 